Situated at the centre of the Cairngorms National Park, the Five Arms Hotel in Braemar brings together Scottish heritage, craftsmanship and culture with world-class contemporary art. This podcast celebrates the experts, locals and passion behind the hotel's five-year renovation. Welcome to the people of the Five. Hello, I'm Doreen Wood, a former BBC radio presenter, producer and reporter with Braemar roots stretching back across many centuries. Today we're joined by brothers Ben and Tom Addy. Can you tell us what you do and what your connection is with the Fife Arms? Uh, well, I'm an architect and um, uh, Tom and I, we both grew up in the area. And I'm a builder. So Ben and I joint own a construction company, Tor Contracting. Um, I was here every day of the build, pretty much. What made it a special project to work on? I think the ambition of the project was quite something. You don't often get jobs like this in Braemar. I think it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, really, to work with the designers, the craftsmen, um, the artists, the clients themselves. I think it's it's really a, a very special project in that regard. Were you both familiar with the Fife in its previous incarnation? Yes, yes, we were. Uh, I think growing up in the area, living in a Boyne, going to school in a Boyne, often came through Braemar in order to go up into the hills, up into the Cairngorms, went to Ballackbuie, into the forest and what have you. So um, frequently would uh, you know, come past the Fife and then later on, teenage years, probably spent a couple of evenings in the, in the Fife bar as well. Um, so certainly familiar with the building. And how did you respond, both of you, when you were asked to get involved with the project? So I think from our point of view, um, we, we became involved with the project um, without even knowing what the project was. And uh, we got an email from them one day um, back in 2015, which had a fragment of a floor plan. So a tiny little piece of a hotel, but they didn't identify where the hotel was. And they just asked, could you spend the next fortnight or so coming up with some ideas as to how you could make this floor plan work for a modern hotel or a modern five-star hotel? But to my shame, I didn't recognise it as the Five Arms, even though it's the nearest big hotel to to the practice. It wasn't until probably about a week or so into it that I actually realised that the, the pattern of the, the, the bay windows and the portico was of course this wonderful building in Braemar. And then um, knowing the clients and having worked for the client for a few years beforehand, it was very clear to us that this was going to be another extremely special project. So we were delighted to win the commission. So what excited you about taking on this commission? I guess how, how, how much there was to take apart and how little there was worth saving on the inside a lot of the, the structural uh, timber work internally was was left but the walls came down we stripped everything back to the bones and, and put it all back together again basically you know the the shell of the building more or less remains as it was apart from the sort of 70s extensions out the back which were flattened made way for some some much nicer elements but in the the bulk of the bu- building the victorian part of the building um, only really the stone remains. Everything was taken out and we plonked a five-star hotel back in its place. Plonked is probably a bit of a rough way of putting it. We finessed it into place. Were there any interesting finds turned up while you were doing the, the demolition? Sure, yes. Yeah. So there were there were various um, sort of mementos, I guess, from, from over the years. There was some... I think there was a, a barracks or so here over the Second World War, so there were lots of shell casings, live and used there was a lovely old victorian shoe found under a floorboard some bottles of whiskey little mementos like that and lots of newspaper clippings of course which meant you could date when the floors were last up and things like this it's always interesting to to read the clippings of the time 
How did um, local people react to the finds? Because you were very good at, at sharing uh, what you were, what was going on, and, and having people in the hotel while the build was was in progress. Yeah, we did some tours and things, which was really nice. But I think, particularly in in uh, response to the finds, that you know, under the floorboards and behind walls and things, it sparked a bit of interest in the in the local community, but especially the school and the kids made their own little time capsule with newspaper clippings and stories and what have you. And we had a little ceremony where we pl- placed that under the floorboards in the bar, which uh, which we chose as a, you know, a sort of a, a central point in the hotel, but also, you know, in the wider community, the pub being a place where the, the community join and share stories and drinks over the years. And these kids probably will drink in the pub later on when they're a bit older. And, and it's nice for them to know that their little mementos and keepsakes are, are under the floor there. Ben, to what extent did your designs change when you saw the hotel taken apart? Did they evolve or did you have a very clear idea when you began? Once we got to the point that we were starting on site, um, the the strategy for the building and how we could reinvigorate this piece of architecture had already been well established. But of course there are other things that happened that you couldn't have foreseen. So, you know, whenever you take apart a building like this, particularly a building of this sort of scale, and you look to piece it back together again, um, you will find things that weren't quite so expected, uh, quite unexpected, and things that changed were very much to do with you'd find something lovely in the building, a lovely little corner or a lovely little piece of timber detailing, and rather than sort of plough ahead with the scheme that you might have had in your mind, you'd adapt it to make sure that that lovely little corner could stay or the lovely bit of timber joinery could be left exposed. Have you got examples you could give us of where that happened within the building? Well, I think actually the room we're sitting in, is that window? Yeah, the little window. There, there yeah. are several, I mean, for the benefit of the audio, it's, um, it's a window that was originally going to be blocked up. And there are a couple of these little instances around and it's a symptom of the building having developed over decades. So it, it wasn't an original... It's not like the architect, the original architect came along and said, right, this is the building, it's perfect. Instead, it developed and it developed and it developed. And so you have all these adaptations and that means that you've got these funny little windows, you've got these funny little corners in the building that actually give it an awful lot of character. So individual rooms benefit from a lot of character and we've just kept those things in. Rather than completely rationalise it and completely, you know, make it all lovely and ordered, it's instead lovely and kind of charming. For you as a builder, Tom, what what were the most challenging parts of that build obviously this history of, of different add-ons yeah would have its own challenges well i think you. i think similar similar really we have you know because we're keeping the original feel of the of the building we you know we're catering for um squint floors wonky walls um you know there's, there's not many straight lines in the hotel and i think that's really nice for the for the guest because it it well it is genuinely victorian it's not you know we haven't completely you know, sterilise the building, but that makes it quite difficult to to work in for the joiners. It makes it quite difficult to run the services because the pipes and wires need to go up and down and and through the holes and all the rest of it. Um, it's not straightforward, not a straight run, and each room is, you know, it's individual in its decor for sure, but it's also individual in its size, its um, shape, and uh, you know, and the and the difficulties they have between them. And you used local artisans. Oh, yes. As much as possible, yes. yeah. The, the way in which the client wanted to run the project was very much that um, it became something that local craftspersons, certainly, but also just local trades, local contractors could get involved with. So rather than run the project as a, as a very straightforward, large contract with a main contractor, which is 99% of the time what you would do, 
Instead, um, the project was run as what we call construction management, whereby we are able as the professional team to select individual trades and individual crafts, individual artisans, uh, to work on specific parts of the building. So instead of one single contract with the client, there were 42 different contracts. But that meant that we could use local slaters. So we used you know, Brian Mackey, Donside Slating, local firm, excellent slaters. In fact, Brian Mackey served his apprentice, apprenticeship on this building yeah. 35 years ago. years ago or something. He was on the roof and then he came back with his own business and a couple of his own guys and, and repaired the roof. And that story can be told on several things right away across the, the project. You both now know the hotel intimately. What's your favourite part? I like several things about the hotel, from large scale down to small scale, but probably the thing that I keep coming back to has got really nothing to do with the architecture. It's got nothing to do with the construction, but it tells you a lot, I think, about the hotel. And it's quite personal to me in the sense that it's something that I really appreciate for several reasons. And it's the Gerhard Richter painting in the Clooney dining room, the eagle painting. I mean, it's a wonderful painting for a start. I find it sort of incredibly captivating. I think it's extraordinary that you have a Gert Richter in Bremer. And it's in an extraordinary setting as well, because the Cluny the dining room is a sort of wonderful space. You've got the um, Guillermo Kutka mural on the wall, and then you have this amazing painting sitting, sitting there. And it's kind of not announced, because it's not really signposted. I find that somehow modest in a way. I don't know, it's a, it's a funny thing, and it tells, it's something that says a lot about the building. Plus it's an eagle, which is wonderful. The dining room is hand-painted. Yeah. So that was that was quite a thing for me. We had uh, Guillermo Kutka come across about six weeks, I think it took him, himself and a couple of assistants. He's a very busy man, so we had a slot booked in two years in advance into the programme. The rest of the hotel was nowhere near ready for final decoration, but we, we got a team together to, to sort of fast-track the restaurant space and turn it into this blank canvas, whitewashed walls uh, ready for the for the artist to come on board. And it was it was fantastic. We had this world class artist painting this enormous space. It's the biggest volume in the in mm, the in yeah. the hotel easily, uh, by hand with tiny little brushes and oil paints, which is quite something. We talk of the ambition of the project, but that that's an ambitious thing to to undertake for anybody. I think it was easily the biggest thing that Guillermo had ever painted himself. But for me personally, it was a truly wonderful thing. He was such a lovely man, such a lovely thing to happen on a building site. There's not very many building sites in the world where you get that sort of experience. But for me, it was great because we had the the normal humdrum goings-on, clatter-bang of a building site everywhere around about, and you'd go through the, the plastic screen doors that we set up into this perfect isolation of serenity. It was just the most amazing thing, and, and almost every day, not every day, I didn't want to get in his way, but almost every day I'd pop in for 10 minutes to calm down and soak up some of this wonderful painting and the smell of the oils. It was a truly wonderful thing, and a, and a really a wonderful experience. I saw the first brush strokes, and then I was very privileged to be in the, in the room with my family when Guillermo signed it right at the end, which was lovely. So is that your favourite part of the hotel, or is there it's another...? It's definitely one of them. I think... I mean, I love it all, but it's really, it's a really hard question to answer. But I think the the the, the dining room is amazing. I had a tear in my eye the first time I ate in there, and I think it's because of the whole project, but also because of that room. But I think other than that, the bar, the Flying Stag bar, I love that. I love the wooden paneling. I love the bar top itself. 
I I spent a lot of time myself working on that. Most of my job on the on the hotel was not on the tools, so to speak, but on the bar I did spend quite a lot of evenings with a hand plane planing it down, and that's you know that was a, an enjoyable thing for me to do, and it's if you like left my mark on as a maker on the on the building. But even that, I don't know if that's my favourite. I think it's it's a really it's a really tough <laughs> one actually. I love the courtyard. I love the fire room. It's all pretty pretty amazing. You're both locals here. What would you advise visitors to do? Oh, get into the mountains. I mean, that's the first thing I would say is that, you know, get up into the hills, get up into the woods. So Ballock Forest, which is very, very close by and speak to someone at the front desk and they'll arrange your transport, no doubt. Really wonderful, wonderful bits of landscape. It's hard to describe it, actually. Some people say, oh, it's like Canada in miniature. Other people can see the similarities with Norway, and it has all of these things, but it's also unique as well. Places places like Balakbui have got a good example of the last remnants of the Caledonian pine forest, which is a a habitat that once covered a lot of Scotland and and now doesn't, sadly, but we've got little remnants, little pockets here on, on D-side, and it's really special to spend time in these woods in the summer. The smell of the pines is incredible, but all year round, I mean, it's, it's truly a wonderful, wonderful habitat. So good places to walk near the hotel, which people could access from the hotel, short walks around Oh, there. short walks from the hotel. So I go up to Craig Coiner or up onto Marone, get a fabulous view down onto the village and Clooney Valley, or Glen Clooney, rather. Um, Lynn of D, Lynn of D, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of low-level walks around in, in, in the woods and to the foothills and things. You're in the mountain rescue, uh, Ben. What's your favourite high top in the Cairngorms? What, what would you recommend for a really challenging walk? I mean, my favourite hill of all, favourite mountain of all, would be Loch Nagar because that's my local hill, and that's not in the Cairngorm Massif. That's uh, further to the south and east but it's um, obviously a very distinctive mountain as you're approaching Braemar from Aberdeen direction it's very distinctive very characterful and very beautiful place Tom and Ben Eddy thank you very much thank, thank you. you thank you for listening to the people of the Fife do visit our website thefifearms.com the music used on this podcast is called the Fife Arms Braemar and is written and performed by Scottish fiddler Paul Anderson. <laughs>